sometimes people think that they would enjoy it and then they try to be active. And once they're active, they do a deal, maybe two deals, and they, they don't want to do it anymore, right? So for me, what I think that a lot of people are, I guess, hesitant to think about is the fact and the power of investing passively. Hi, welcome to Ready to Scale Season 3. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. I'm a real estate investor, syndicator, and operator of multifamily properties. And in this season, we're going to focus on dialogues that drive success. Building real wealth is not a fairy tale nor rocket science, but there's so much to learn. So grab a cup of coffee and join me each week for in-depth conversations with successful real estate investors. Conversations that are designed to help you drive your wealth, investment, knowledge, and lifestyle to the next level. And of course, you can always go to my website, elliperlman.com, to read more about investing passively in multifamily. Everyone, welcome to today's show. And today I'm gonna be chatting with Nico Salgado. So Nico owns single-family homes since 2012 and multifamily properties since 2019. He also has a podcast that he's hosting called The Small Axe. And he has a BS in business marketing and management and a minor in economics, and he also holds masters in Spanish. He's an avid surfer. He's a woodworker and a traveler. Really interesting, really interesting investor we have here today. Nico, thank you so much for being on the show today. Ellie, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be able to chat with you today. I listen to your podcast all the time. You are one of my role models. Let's do it. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, you know, interestingly enough, you're in real estate. You also, you know, I love the fact that you love to surf. You're an avid surfer. I've been surfing, but I'm not an expert by no means. What kind of brought you to where you are today? I think it's going to be interesting for our listeners to kind of get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. You know what, Ellie? My story isn't very uncommon. It's actually quite common, but people don't necessarily take it to the level that I've taken it to. So, you know, the, the American dream, people working as hard as they possibly can, right? Grinding day in and day out and kind of working themselves to the bone, you know, and that's basically what I've done. And something had to change. To backtrack a little bit, my father, you know, he was born and raised in Spain, comes from the old school style of just work, work, work and save. And I come from that mentality too. You know, I inherited a lot of his, you know, traits and they're good traits to a sense. But when it comes down to the fact that I am working myself physically and putting in so many hours just to scrape by, I was not living a sustainable life. So to give you some context, you know, I began teaching in 2004 as a Spanish teacher with the mentality of giving back, right? I, my objective with becoming a teacher was to help people, to serve people, to be able to impact as many people as possible. And I thought that I was gonna be able to do that through teaching and I have been, but what was not fulfilling, and that's, it has been very fulfilling in a sense, but what has not been fulfilling is that I've been struggling, you know, to pay bills, to pay my mortgage, just to survive based on the salary that I had. So what did I do? I learned from my father, I picked up more jobs. I was working 
you know, throughout the summers, oh, teachers have summers off. No, I had no summers off because I was a surf instructor and ocean manager, constantly working through the summers or taking courses to enhance my degree to get a higher pay raise. And on top of that, I was teaching teachers after school. I was coaching, you know, after school, doing so many jobs. And there was literally no more hours in the day. I was, you know, just running so thin that something had to change. And it wasn't really until 2018 when the realization hit me. I, you know, my then wife at the time, you know, we had this house, right? A beautiful house in Long Beach, in a beach community on Long Island where we, you know, it's a desirable place to live, but we ended up not being able to pay. And it came a time where, you know, the taxes just went from 8,000 a year, which is fairly high, to $12,500 a year, and we were not able to pay it. So what did I do? The only thing I knew how, I picked up more work, right? So I started waiting tables. You know, I started teaching teachers. I was mentoring teachers during the day throughout the school day. I was taking on student teachers, and I created a course prior to school in the morning times to get kids in, you know, involved early with athleticism and social emotional learning and meditation, just so I can, you know, help people while still trying to earn a living. And, and you know what, that wasn't even enough. So what I did then was I opened up a wood shop with the thought, you know, the, the whole rich dad, poor dad thing, you can have businesses and you can own real estate and the businesses can pay for your real estate. And my thought was, okay, let me start a business. I was good at woodworking. I ended up opening a wood shop. I built an entire wood shop in my basement and began selling things. Now, where was my time? I was literally working day and night, seven days a week just to survive. And it was something that was not sustainable. How long did it go? I mean, how, how long can... <laughs> How long can one, you know, work for 12, 15 hours a day? Yeah, it's not sustainable. You know, I did it for two years, just about two wow. years. And, you know, also one of my core values is family. And, and I wanted to spend as much time as possible with my family, which meant, you know, the quality time with my family was spent during the day. So at nighttime, obviously, I was in the, in the wood shop just making things at night. And mm -hmm. It wasn't a sustainable living. So what I realized was I needed something that was going to pay me. I couldn't possibly give anymore. I gave everything I had, gave all the time that I had. I need something that was going to give back to me. What is that? You and I both know real estate, right? Yeah. You know, and, and it took me a while to get there, but I finally figured it out. You know, I did have that single family, but it was a different purpose. It was a, you know, an Airbnb kind of thing. And it actually, we just finished it this year, but I found multifamily real estate, just like you, Ellie. That's amazing. I think there's something very powerful in what you said that, you know, you wanted to spend more time with your family and you realize that, you know, there's so many hours in a day and you get burned out so quickly also by doing it, even without a family, that's not a way to live. That's not very sustainable. So you, at some point after working extremely hard, you made that shift, you had, you know, multiple, you know, businesses and occupations, and then you saved enough money and started buying real estate. At that point, did you have kids? Do you have family at that point? Yeah. So I have a daughter. We have one daughter. Mm -hmm. the, she is the light of my life and I am le now living my life. You know, she's five, she just turned five years old and I'm living my life as a role model. My whole objective is to show her what can be done in this world, what we can create for our families, for our loved ones, what is possible. And, and another thing, you know, Ellie, you know, she's a girl and, you know, in this multifamily space, 
there are not many. And I applaud you. And I, I really wish we had more females in this industry. And I want my Thank daughter you. to, yeah, absolutely. You're such a role model. And I want my daughter to follow in our footsteps, you know, so I need to be, I, you know, that's where I get my power. That's where I get my energy now is that I need to be that person for her to show her what's possible for her. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, and there are other women, you know, obviously in real estate, but I think we can see that trend growing over time. Hopefully by the time your daughter is going to be 21, 25 years old, there's going to be so many women in real estate. We're talking about, you know, 20 years from now or so. I believe that the change, and I see the change around me, I see it, I see it happening. So it's interesting you're kind of transitioning and you're shifting to buy real estate. So you're trading your time basically for cash flow. And I'm assuming that at that point, you're starting to build generational wealth. You're starting to work on creating that. And I know that a lot of investors, you know, when they reach out to me and they want to invest or they want to buy, you know, they want to become syndicators or they want to become passive investors. Most of them want to become full-time passive investors. And many of them want to do that because they want to create generational wealth. How much money? I think everyone has different idea, different perspective of what is that generational wealth, but it should be enough to sustain for the next generations who can take it and grow it even more and have, you know, find the balance, find the lifestyle that they want to have. Can you remember that moment where you were, you know, when you actually started investing in real estate and you understood how powerful that tool is. I'm interested kind of hearing about that and also kind of understanding what are some mistakes that many investors do when they, you know, they want to start building wealth and for some reason they don't seem to do it successfully. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start with a, a little bit of mistakes. You know, there are so many people that I talk to that come into this multifamily mm -hmm. realm or space thinking that they're going to be an active investor. And when in reality, it's not necessarily the right fit for them, right? Ideally, in an ideal world, we would take our money, we would put it in, in and invest it in a syndication, right? Or invest it with an operator that you know, like, and trust, and they would be earning the income for you so that you can do what you want to do, the things that you really enjoy to do. Now, obviously that I enjoy working in, in the real estate space and you enjoy working in the real estate space, but sometimes people think that they would enjoy it and then they try to be active. And once they're active, they do a deal, maybe two deals, and they, they don't want to do it anymore, right? So for me, what I think that a lot of people are, I guess, hesitant to think about is the fact and the power of investing passively. And I'm really you know, trying to shift my game nowadays to talk more about and educate more of my listeners and my audience and my fan base of the power of investing passively. You know, not everybody, it seems glamorous. You know, what you do, you know, you syndicate deals, you buy, there's a lot to it, but it's not necessarily the right fit for everybody. Why yeah. not at least, at the very least, start investing passively? And, you know, I'm actually doing a podcast series. I'm, I'm creating it now. It's going to be called like an accountability series where I'm taking some brand new people who have never invested in a deal actively, and I'm going to follow them for six months to a year and see how they progress and see what happens. And it's kind of like an experiment or a documentary. And 
one of the objectives is to show them the power of investing passively first before you actually jump into a deal and try to invest actively. Because, you know, once you invest passively with somebody, if you are investing with the right operator and you, and you are investing with somebody that, that can give you some time and afford some time to talk to you and, and share the ins and outs of it, you might not like it in the end. You know, you might not like yeah. what they do and you can still reap just amazing benefits as a passive investor. And it's funny, you know, I talk to so many people in the community that I'm involved with, the Jake and Gino community who also speak very highly of you, by the way. Thank you. And a lot of their goals is to, you know, eventually become professional passive investors because there's so much power involved in that. And there's so much that you can create and generate and afford yourself free time and give yourself the leisure time that you deserve to then gift to your children, to then create that generational wealth that we're talking about to give to your children. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. And I think you're 100% right. It's a lot of work. There's nothing glamorous about it. It's a lot of, you know, there's grunt work. You have to be on airplanes and go visit properties unless, you know, you buy in your own backyard. And I know that some sponsors, they're doing a syndication. At some point, they're going to convert, you know, switch gears and become passive investors. But they're using the syndication as a tool to create their own generational wealth. And then, you know, some investors actually, it's funny because some of the investors that have been investing with me on multiple deals, it started by them reaching out to me and say, hey, you're a syndicator. We see what you do. Can you spend an hour with us on the phone teach us what you do. And I say, yeah, sure. And an hour later on one call, there was kind of a silence. And the other person said, you know what? This is too much work. This is more work than I thought. I think I'm going to invest passively, at least for now. Because if you want to scale, you got to have a whole team. You got to know, you know who to work with. You got to leave, breathe, walk, talk, and think real estate. It doesn't leave you for a second. That's another way of building generational wealth. So there's not one way, you know, syndication, active investing, or passive investing. But I think you're absolutely right. There's kind of a misconception of how easy it is or because, you know, it looks like everyone is making money mm-hmm. in multifamily. That's not true. Everyone, you know, is making good returns. That's not true. But the glory, the, the kind of halo is there and that can get pretty confusing. Right. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, it's just, if it's not something that you're passionate about, then just, you know, look, stay passive because there is passion in receiving income, right? There's passion. There is joy in receiving passive income. It's as passive as it is. I mean, there's still some work that you need to do and some knowledge that you need to gain and, and you still have to trust, you know, your operators and you want to make good relationships with them. But yeah, in the end, I mean, you know, do what's best for you, stick to what you do well and use that money to invest. Yeah. And, you know, what you're talking about is very important because there is also some, you know, misconception among passive investors that they can transition very quickly to basically be a full-time passive investors. You got to run the numbers first. If you have a hundred K to invest today, let's say on a two X investment, 17%, 18% IR is hard to find, but let's say 17, 18% IR, you're going to end up with 200K, let's say in four or five years. You can't really retire if you have 200K. It doesn't really get you, you know, anywhere. So you have to reinvest the funds and reinvest them again. And even in the 
best case scenario, if you're doubling your investment every five years, you need to run the numbers and understand how much money you have now. And every five years, assuming again, everything is going to work well and things don't always work well, then how much money are you going to end up with in five, 10, 15, 20 years? And then see if you can really retire, you know, at what point and how much money you will need to invest. You don't invest a hundred K and it turns into a million dollars unless you invest in other things that are not multifamily syndication could be, you know, kind of a riskier investment that can pay off, but it's really good. I think, you know, I'm taking from what you're saying, I'm taking that, you know, the path, your patience, you understand it takes time and you're willing to build it over time. All the biggest fortunes, you know, normally were built over time. They were not overnight. We see today a lot of overnight successes. I don't know if I even believe, you know, you have young kids that are recording all kinds or selling you, you know, all kinds of products of how they became millionaires in a month, selling things on Amazon or stuff like that. I don't know if I believe all, all that. So yeah, you know, there's so much out there. And I agree. There's so many misconceptions, you know, oh, real estate, oh, real estate owners are rich right away. It's not the fact, this is, these are just not facts. It's a yeah. long game. You know, people say it's a marathon and, and really as excited as I was to begin and as anxious and as hungry and as hardworking as I was, the reality is it's going to take time, but it works, you know, and that's the, the beauty of it. You know, it's as long as you stay consistent, and you are, you know, consistently working towards your goals of, of scaling, of buying more properties and doing it right. You know, obviously always checking in with yourself and making sure you're on the right path. It'll work. And that's what's, yeah. what's almost guaranteed about it. You know, I, I love real estate. That's one of the main reasons, you know, it's, it's going to work. And, and I have so much confidence in it that I'm, you know, willing to just go full force into it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Nico. Well, we have arrived to the lightning round questions. I know it's kind of a, maybe a sudden shift, but we have five quick questions that I ask all my guests. The first one is, what's your favorite hobby? Oh, all right. So I have a lot of hobbies. I think hobbies keep mm. us healthy. One, <laughs> <laughs> my favorite hobby is surfing. When was the last time you surfed? Maybe a couple of weeks ago, you know, so they're, they're huh. having really good. Yeah, I'm in New York. It's cold. Look, we have wetsuits now, but, you know, I surf as basically all year. Sometimes, you know, when it's like wow. dead of the winter, I won't do it. I don't, I'm getting a little older for that now, Ellie. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I surf only in Hawaii and, and in Malibu. It was cold in Malibu. I don't know what's the big fuss about Malibu waves. They're not as good as the waves in Hawaii. I don't know if I sound like a brat or a spoiled, <laughs> you know, surfer, but yeah. No, yeah. Hawaii's beautiful. I spent months out in Hawaii also. I camped actually mm. right after college on the North Shore of Oahu for, you know, a few months oh. and spent a lot. I have a lot of good friends out there. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I miss Hawaii. So Nico, what's the one thing that people don't know about you and you're ready to share it with us? All right. All right. Here we go, guys. So I am, <laughs> <laughs> I play music in a reggae band. Ah, yep. interesting. Mm -hmm. Local band in New York? Yeah. So we're a local band. I mean, we've been doing it for about 15 years now. Obviously oh. during COVID, we have not been playing out at all. 
but we've been playing for a while. Yeah, so I got into the reggae scene when I was really young because my stepfather is actually born and raised in Jamaica. He's a Jamaican guy who actually plays reggae wow. also in a reggae band. Yeah, so learned from him, got connected with some guys here in New York and have been playing reggae for 15 years now. <laughs> wow, all right. What do you wish you had known when you first started buying your first piece of real estate? Yeah, so what I wish I would have known back then is the power of number one, patience, and then surrounding yourself with the right people. So, you know, we all tend to think, or a lot of people that I know tend to think that they can accomplish something like this on their own, buying real estate, but because we can all buy one duplex, right? We can all buy one single family house, but where's the scale in that? And where's the real return? Where's the real value in that? You know, to actually make something a living out of this, or to actually get some real value and generational wealth like we're talking about, you need to scale. You need to buy more than one unit. You need to buy multiple buildings, right? So the only way to do that is to surround yourself with the right people, make sure you're in the right network, is to be open, willing to learn, be humble, right? Be willing to provide and enter every situation with a, a mindset of being you know, a service mindset where you feel like you, you want to enter and help people. So never go into a relationship thinking, what can I get? Always seek to serve people. And I think that, you know, just by having the right conversations with the right people and being consistent, that would really propel your career. That's great advice. Great advice. Nico, thank you so much for spending some time with me and the listeners today. If anyone wants to reach out to you and talk real estate investing, where can they find you? Yeah, Ellie, absolutely. So my website would be the best place to find me. It's www.smallaxcommunities.com. That's small axe, A-X-E, communities, plural.com. All right. Thank you again for being on the show today. You know, it was really fun for me and I hope that the listeners enjoyed listening to our conversation. Oh, thank you so much, Ellie. All right, guys, that's it for today. Be bold, be great, keep moving forward, and I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.